Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. Today, we're talking about 1994's very prestigious, very Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Uh, it's a legal uh, drama starring Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. It's directed by Jonathan Dim Dime. Shit! I oh my god, these guys' names. Why didn't I? Yeah. I didn't even think to, pr- to practice pronouncing them. Uh, he directed The Silence of the Lambs, got an Academy Award for that one. Also directed Rachel got uh, getting married and married to the mob. There's a lot of marriage themed oh. films. Yeah, it's written by written by Ron. Nyai Swanner, who yeah. is a long-term activist for gay rights, who previously directed the documentary Celluloid Closet, as well as the film Soldier's Girl, which is about an American GI that gets beat to death by a fellow soldier for dating a trans woman. Hmm. Uh, he was also uh, recently the executive producer of Showtime's TV series Homeland, which is kind of cool. I was really into that for a couple of years. Uh, like I said, stars Tom Hanks. We know Tom Hanks. You know, he's Woody. Uh, stars Denzel Washington. We know Denzel Washington. He's the American gangster. Uh, also, America's sweetheart, Mary Steenbergen, playing a pretty unlikable lady in this movie. Antonio Banderas as uh, Tom Hanks's boyfriend. Uh, Ann Dowd shows up as, as Tom as Tom Hanks's sister. Roger Corman, legendary B-movie director, the mentor of... Uh, um, uh, Jonathan Dim here uh, appears as one of the litigants and Bradford Whitford uh, right before his run or maybe concurrently with his run on the West Wing as uh, another lawyer here. Uh, Jim, I've heard a lot about this movie. I've seen a couple scenes in like uh, I've seen individual isolated scenes in like greatest cinema thing moments like particularly there's a Tom Hanks opera scene that uh, I saw out of isolation. And I've, I've hmm. heard some kind of like, oh, I don't know about this thing, if it's age well. What did you think? Have you seen this movie before? And what do you think about watching it here in the year 2022? I've not seen this movie before. Um, I, I think, I wonder, so, so we've gone two weeks now in a row where we've watched kind of famous comedian actors first foray into uh, drama. Uh, we did Truman Show last week, which was Jim Carrey's uh, entry into that, and then Tom Hanks this week. And I think I would have been more impressed with Tom Hanks if I didn't know what he was capable of dramatically, because I've seen now movies right. like Apollo 13 or Castaway, right? Like, mm-hmm. he can do drama. Um, so, I wasn't, like, totally blown away by him, although I can see why he did win the Oscar for this, because, holy shit, he is very good. Um I ended up really liking this movie. I was a little scared because it's made in 1993 and it's about AIDS and uh, gay people. And I figured 93, that's almost 30 years ago, man. It can't be, it it can't have like anything good to say about this. Right. And, And I came away going, okay, it's not like the most nuanced thing ever, but it's message of like, Hey, gay people are gay are people too. Like what's to not like about that? Um, and and it needs to have some pretty nasty characters. And I think that's acceptable in a movie like this, um, especially from that era where, you know, Denzel Washington is kind of a shit bag when he first starts, but you got to have him have an arc, right? It's, it's almost a little bit too rote in some regards there, but the movie has a way of like, taking things that you would definitely see as tropes and putting just enough of a a spin on them, like a a little bit of flair into it to where this doesn't come across as just another movie where, Oh yeah, here's that arc and here's this other arc. And I see how all all these pieces fit together. Um, So I I was pretty impressed by it. Yeah. I heard that like, uh, I I used to be a big fan of Bill Simmons. I've kind of gotten into him again lately. I started listening to his takes, um, around the Super Bowl and Cincinnati was in it. Um, and it feels like I dev- d- 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 haven't really left this, the show, his shows are very similar to where they were when I stopped listening like six, seven years ago, getting too busy. But I remember, and, I, and this might not be a real, maybe, maybe I dreamed this, but I have a clear memory of him discussing movies with people. And like, you know, he's always got this thing about whether something's watchable or it's aged well. And I remember him being like, you know, you, you know, cousin Sal, uh, I've been watching that film. You know, you know, a movie hasn't aged well, cousin Sal. It's been Philadelphia. 
You know, it got Denzel Washington calling Tom Hanks Furby, and it, it just didn't sit well with me. <laughs> like, and I and I remember thinking, like, well, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because if you're going to make a movie that's accurate about homophobia and that kind of stuff, then it that, that probably that probably doesn't age well. But I don't know, because like you, like it's not even about like Denzel being a shit bag, because I think that's the way it's framed a lot in online spaces and, and you know, mm-hmm. in, in the coasts. What Denzel Washington is, is a decent human being that is ignorant and has no direct firsthand experience with the subject that he has a very strong opinion on. Sure. sure. And has to deal with uh, meeting the the real living flesh and blood person behind the hateful stereotype and realizing, you know, going through the painful uh, process of like, Oh shit, am I the asshole? Oh, I am the asshole. And how it's like a fit and start process too. Like there's a couple of times in the movie where you think, ah, he is now achieved the proper understanding of what this thing is. And then he experiences uh, homophobia in a different kind of way. And he kind of like gets reactionary about it and feels a certain way. Yeah. Um, if anything, it's unrealistic because he goes through these stages in like light speed. Right. But this is a very useful like if you've gotten a if you've got like a an adult in your life that's currently kind of disappointing you and how they feel about a particular social issue. Um, running this thing through the lens of thinking like Denzel Washington is a really nice guy. You know, he's he's smart and he's hardworking. Uh, he's diligent. He loves his wife. He's loves his kid. Uh, he, that those are very important to, you know, he's, 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 he's passionate about justice. He's a little bit, I couldn't tell if he's like a little bit of an ambulance chaser or also that's what pays for his civil rights stuff. Cause it seems like there's some civil right, um, Could be, yeah. as well, but he also hates homosexuals. <laughs> yeah. He's bigoted, certainly uh, prejudiced. Yeah. And, and showing that journey, I think, is extremely helpful for, like, um, to engage that empathy if you're from a place that you don't have, like, you know, his early on going on in, uh, in the movie, his wife, like, confronts him. is like, well, how many gay people do you even know? He doesn't know one of them. Um, so it's like it's harder well, that, that's nowadays. Why, that, that's why, like, I, I don't I feel like saying, oh, he's just ignorant is kind of letting him off the hook. Right. Because, like, yeah, he's, he's prejudiced. He's bigoted. And that is that is something that doesn't necessarily have to be cured by not by by curing ignorance right like y- you can you can come out of the womb not everybody comes out of the womb not prejudiced not bigoted like oh sure sure it, it's it's certainly like okay he probably grew up in a space that didn't have any gay people in it but also uh-huh. I, I feel like it's sort of on you to not be a bigot like that, that's a, a fundamental base thing that you can do as a person to try and remove your biases against people before you know them. I, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And it seems like, I think that's one of the, um, one of the interesting things about the movie. Cause, cause it's, I don't think it's an accident that like uh, Denzel Washington is a black man because even I think to down today that uh, in the black community, there's a little bit more of an issue uh, with like, uh, you know, more traditional, homophobia than there is an equivalent white culture. Yeah. Um, just the way things have shaken out. Um, and I'm like thinking like Denzel Washington's character at that time, thinking about all the older men you see in this legal community and what they came from and the forces that shaped them. It's like it, saying it's like, it's on you. It's certainly on you to do the hard work and I'm not excusing anyone that doesn't. And I think we can maybe talk about more of this as we uh, analyze the film. But also, I think we have to recognize that it is a difficult concept. Like if sure. uh, someone, if if you, you know, your whole life, you're not experienced with someone. And the first experience you hear, it's like, oh, this thing is a bad thing. It's a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And actually, the, the this this thing is a, derived from selfishness and risk seeking and like kind of godless activity. And uh, also, there's a literal plague that's affecting only these people that are dirty and disease ridden and weak and skinny. And I, I, I it's. It, 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 it's 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 harder, I think, than people that um, come into the world with the correct way to think about these things. It's harder than than you might think to kind of like come by that because the first sure, reaction. Sure. Yeah, I think it does a good job of showing like what it's like to wake up to the idea. That, oh, my God, I might be a bigot. And that's probably really challenging for someone like uh, 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 a black lawyer to be like, I could have yeah. like some kind of irrational prejudice. You know, I. 
you can sign and, and the thing is is you can see this play out in other areas and other people like right now you know uh what is the issue of the day that you could that looks that's in this shape that you could plug in and see that's what i'm saying like denzel washington's a good way to think of that because he's a fundamentally decent guy which is why he makes the progress he does in the movie but yeah, the yeah. movie shows an accurate job of the pushback that you get and the kind of pathos you go through to to, to come to that understanding does that make sense yeah i think so um, because like I thought it was fascinating that when I read contemporary reviews of the time, there was like two two prevailing um, discussions in the critics. There was like this has been a long time coming and it's finally coming. Mm-hmm. Like this should have been a movie that was made in 1985 or 1986 or maybe 1984. Um, and then there was the other one that, that was like hailing it as like, well, this is Hollywood's first ever attempt to deal with homophobia and AIDS scaremongering and 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 that thing and it's uh mm-hmm. you know maybe it's overdue but like someone finally did it and yeah now like i said it's got this fuddy-duddy reputation i thought it was interesting <laughs> yeah that is, that is weird because i didn't feel any of that uh watching this movie i felt like it was it, it, it's not as progressed as the conversations we have nowadays about this stuff but it was a totally different time um mm-hmm so yeah, I I see it, and this was like l- literally the first big budget Hollywood movie made about AIDS. Um, so like you can't expect it to be thirty years on as as progressive as you'd want it to be. Even though I think it holds no. up really well. Yeah, it's funny because this began this began the gay face era in Hollywood. Uh, oh no, what that, does that mean? That, that came to an end with Jared Leto Leto and the Dallas Buyers Club. Like, okay, I don't know. There's this sociological phenomenon, and I've, I've talked about it a couple times. I feel like it's one of those niche things I have to explain every single time. So pardon me if this is like the fifth time you've heard this. But there's this been phenomenon of like anytime there's like a something in a broader culture that penetrates from like a one down culture. For example. Um, in the early 20th century and late 19th century, there's a lot of white Americans. It's like, you know what? We hate black people, but we really love the way they sing and dance. Uh, but boy, we just don't want to pay them or get comfortable having them around us. It just kind of squicks us out. I know, I know we'll take a, a, a white person that's willing to eke a living, putting on blackface and they'll entertain us. And that way we'll have this kind of, and that's reprehensible. Yeah. But it feeds a demand in an odd in an audience that then later is like, well, we're not th- this actually is not the real experience we're looking for. And uh, a way to progress from that is to actually play a black man to do these offensive things for us. And then that gets money into the black artist pockets. And then then they start having the you know, people come behind them and be like, this is bullshit. We are more than just this. And then you get to where, you know, you got Denzel Washington starring in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I feel like Tom Hanks is not a gay person. Uh, Jared Leto is not a transgender individual, but that was kind of like this weird gay face minstrel period in Hollywood where we kind of as a straight culture went through, hey, we want to know more about this, but I don't know. It, it is like, I, I don't know. And now that era is over because we see that just as before. It's like, well, there's tons of gay people and trans people and, and, and other queer individuals that are all too happy to tell their own goddamn stories. So let them. Sure. Um, but this is kind of like the beginning of of that. And, and and I guess it's like maybe not because you probably had before then a whole bunch of like you'd say the gay minstrel type stuff where it's like, oh, look at the colorful gay person. You mm-hmm. know, I was thinking of like particularly the guy in Mannequin. Have you seen that movie? The Ma- Mannequin? I have not. Oh, there is. Just 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 a great example of of kind of like the stereotypical kind of gay uh, dude in in that movie. That's something that wouldn't kind of like fly unless it was like deeply, deeply ironic today. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know if any of this makes sense, but I just think it's interesting that this is kind of like this 20 year period that just recently uh, closed and Philadelphia kind of led the way in it. Maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe. Maybe I'm talking a bunch of crazy shit and people let me know that. I don't know. But <laughs> I, don't know. I, I, I thought, thought that know. was that's kind of thing that was left off the screen to me. Um, Maybe we should say what this movie's about because I want to talk about the structure of it a little bit, too. But yeah, we need to, we need to get into I got what tons of other non-spoiler things. But yeah, we probably need to get into the spoiler section. So this is a movie about a man who's played by Tom Hanks and he's a brilliant lawyer. Uh, 
like a, a young uh, up and coming at this prestigious law firm in Philadelphia, hotshot lawyer that happens to be gay. And we also come to understand that he's uh, suffering from the early stages of the AIDS uh, epidemic, uh, AIDS syndrome. So uh, his uh, older senior partners become aware because he starts to have the physical effects of disease and forms of lesions on his face that he's suffering from this. And because they are a terrified of AIDS and b disapproving of having a, a gay person in their, their men's club, they conspire to fabricate uh, a failure of his personal uh, professionally. So he fa- fi- almost files a paperwork at the wrong time. And they use that as a pretext to fire him. Uh, Tom Hanks is outraged and he thinks this is a violation of the, of the disability and the uh, uh, handicap law. So he goes to try to find a lawyer to represent him. And he finds Denzel Washington, a reluctant ally that becomes a full on powerful ally by the end of the movie. And uh, that's it. That's it. It's it's this is a half of a um a, a drama that attempts to humanize gay people from the terrible stereotypes they kind of suffered from previously. Um, and it also is half a pretty good legal thriller. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should start there because that I was the to too, yeah. thing that surprised me most about this movie, I guess, is the way that it blends those two things. Um, it, 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 I think is, the former more than it is the latter. I, there, a large portion of this movie is concerned with the the legal uh, battle, but the movie itself overall, I think, is far more concerned about Tom Hanks uh, and what is it, Andy Beckett, H- him being mm-hmm. a, a person who's full of life, and you see that life being sucked out of him, and how tragic that is, right? Like. That, that, that to me is like ultimately what the movie is about. And there's this weird handoff it does somewhere in the middle of the movie because I, I'm engrossed in the legal battle. I'm thinking, okay, what arguments are they going to provide? I'm thinking of the own, my own arguments in my own head and like happy that some of the jurors actually point that stuff out. But by the time you get to the verdict, the verdict comes and goes and it's, it's barely a concern uh, at the end of this mm-hmm. movie. And the concern has switched from the courtroom drama somewhere in the middle while the trial trial is still going on to Tom Hanks being very sick and approaching death. Um, and, and how, you know, he feels about that, how his friends and family feel about it, how Denzel feels about it. It, it's kind of surprising in the way it moves. And I don't, I don't think I've quite seen a movie like this, which has, like two competing interests here that it just kind of forsakes one and it's okay. Hmm. I'll make a comparison, um, a favorable one. Cause this is like, I think before I saw, cause this is the first time I saw Philadelphia, but mm-hmm. um, if you ask me what my favorite legal thriller is, it would be the rainmaker uh, it stars uh, Matt Damon and Danny DeVito <laughs> and they're representing. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's worth watching. And Weird. Claire Danes, actually. And uh, it's it's it stars Matt Damon as this, like, fresh out of law school kid who gets assigned this, like, terrible uh, insurance case of this kid that's dying of some kind of uh, crazy lung cancer that could have been easily treated that, the you know, the, the cheap-ass insurance company denied him and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it has a very similar structure where, like, it's hmm. partly about Matt Damon's relationship with the young man who's dying and, and him being his champion. It's partly about... Um, the legal case itself and dueling this giant insurance company when he's just got the resources of a fresh out of law school kid. And then it's also partly about this relationship between Matt Damon and, and Claire Danes. Um, there's like all so so like and I don't know because usually I've, I've said like um, one of the things that annoyed me about the Lord of the Rings novels is like I would get really invested in like what Frodo and Sam were doing and we get to a climactic part and then that book was over. I got to read a whole other book about Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli, who I'm perfectly fine to read. But like, God damn, I'm going to go through a whole other book and I'm not going to hear about Frodo. Mm-hmm. That usually frustrates me. But like, I really appreciated. I don't know about the legal dramas. Like if it was just all courtroom, I'd get bored. But if you kind of interleave it with these personal stories, it's more interesting to me. And I feel like yeah. this movie has that same kind of pacing where it's not just it settles into the legal drama and that's it. Although you. You mentioned the awkward transition. What what made you think it was No, it's awkward? not awkward. It's it's Okay. It's, it's just it's not awkward at all. Yeah. It's it's something that like I jump I sat up and took notice of because I, I was thinking of it in terms of like a sports film, right? Where the climax of the movie is them 
excelling at the sport and, and triumphing, you know, in the day. And that coincides with the climax of the emotional arc. Mm. This doesn't do that. This 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 is like if, you know, the big football game were being played and the star quarterback gets sick and then you just kind of go over and like sit with the star quarterback on the sidelines and the game is won sort of like it, it's on screen. They tell you the game was won, but it's not important mm. at that point. Like the important thing right. is the quarterback is injured. Like, how does he feel? Uh, and they just sit with that dude. That's what this movie does. It, it transfers all the momentum it has from the courtroom over to this, this battle with health or death. Honestly, like there, there's only one outcome for this movie, right there in 1993. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's before like, you know, it was as, as um, with the resources, if you have resources, it's fair, it's fairly yeah. easy to manage, manage, I should say. Um, it's just weird. It, it's strange. I want to talk to you because, I, so, so here's what I think they're doing here. Um, we, we talked in the, before we sat down to record the podcast about how much we really liked the intro and outro songs are written by um, uh, Bruce Springsteen and, and Neil Young. You say? Yeah. Yeah. Represent. They're amazing songs. And I, I like I'm like, oh, God, I've never really heard these songs. What an amazing fit. Like in and uh, you've got this opening like Bruce Springsteen singing about, you know, Philadelphia and it's very stirring and it's set to like this vibrant, you know, everybody's, you know, Philadelphia's kind of got this reputation of the asshole of America. Uh-huh. Every time I've been to Philly, <laughs> maybe I need to go when it's snowy and cold or after an Eagles loss. But every time I've gone, been to Philly, it's been in the spring or the summer and the yeah. sun is shining and people are out with smiles on their faces and I'm enjoying their wonderful cheesesteaks and their mass transportation and I'm jogging up the rocky, rocky steps and I'm doing the thing that all the people do at the city. And I think I think Philadelphia, I've never had a bad experience because, again, I'm not out there at two in the morning drunk after a, a Phillies game. But uh, I... Uh, that made me feel good about, you know, like you got this vibrant city that's full of life um, and they kind of go down and you, you almost like pluck Tom Hanks out of that action. And it's like the movie's like out of all this vibrant life, I'm I'm going to now uh, particular pay attention to this particular vibrance. Mm-hmm. And then I think the end of the movie, like you said, the, the point is like almost like that energy is going you know, it's very sad. Like this movie, really, uh, the 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 last bit of it is a really like punch in the gut, punch in the gut. Sad, sad, sad. Yeah. But also, the movie's like making a point that like this energy's going back. Like there's a positive thing. Like this guy mm-hmm. affected so many people's lives, and it's going to eventually make a difference. You know, and and God, my my God, how how far things in terms of gay rights have come since like this movie's come oh, yeah. out. And I felt like that was like the hope of the filmmakers is like that this energy in this life would, that it would not amount to nothing. That this $5 million. And it's kind of turned prophetic because yeah, like it's not perfect and there's still a lot of work to be done, but it feels like we've, we've come a long way in terms of at least legal protections and you, you know, like go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, totally. I mean, we, we have come a very long way. Um, and and even in the 90s we had come a long way right like from from where we were in the 60s and and shit like that so yeah totally um what did you make of the beginning of this movie with tom hanks character because before he well he is sick at the beginning of this movie he just Mm -hmm. doesn't but we don't know know it yeah we kind of get hints about it like i Mm -hmm. i think it's pretty obvious he lies to his mom about his blood work being totally fine um sure but but he's not showing the the ill effects, the signs of of having AIDS. Mm-hmm. And in those early moments, he doesn't seem like the best guy. He's kind of going along to get along at this law firm, um, you know, glad handing and and making compromises of character in order to get promotions um, and make big cases. It, how did you feel about that? Because I, I I started off thinking. You know, I don't really like this guy very much. And then the I've, movie just takes this right turn into you need to feel really sorry for this guy. Man, there's a there's a line in this movie about uh, I think it's in maybe Denzel's summation where he's you know talking about the Andy is not 
you know, it's not about what a person deserves or what a person did or didn't, you know, because there's this whole thing in back in the AIDS epidemic to where it's like there were good AIDS patient like hometown hero Ryan White. And this lady that's in the law firm that got it because she had a blood transfusion. And they're just innocent victims caught in the crossfire of these evil, duplicit gays uh, who are maliciously going around spreading this deadly disease and being careless. And straight people are getting caught in a crossfire. And um, I feel like making him be kind of like, as I have in my notes, like it was a surprise, surprising me is uh, Tom Hanks is kind of an asshole lawyer. He's representing yeah. this giant construction firm that's building this huge high-rise development that's overshadowing this poor, uh, you know, public housing and filling their air with some kind of toxic, I don't know if it's asbestos or w- what the thing, but like, you know, Denzel's representing the underdog and Tom Hanks is the smarmy, well, your honor, I don't think he can really damage, you know, show legitimate damages. Mm-hmm. But... He also is a guy who loves his family and his family loves him. And, you know, everyone deserves like, you know, he loves the law and the law is amazing. And sometimes it can there's it's there's a duality to him. He's not totally a saint, yeah. um, just like Denzel Washington's not a saint, but mm-hmm. he's a good guy. And he definitely doesn't deserve to be kicked out on the street because his partners are uncomfortable with him being gay. For know? sure. Yeah. I, I think that's what they were going for because it would be easy to make him just be a complete fucking saint that he's like, totally. you know, he represented sick children and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. But they didn't. What do you think about it? Yeah, I almost wonder if Denzel and his roles weren't switched at some point, like to to begin this movie, right? Where Denzel is the shitbag uh, high rise lawyer and he is the guy who's fighting for the everyman. I don't know. Um because it feels more appropriate thematically, but also it feels less realistic, right? Because people aren't saints by and large. Yeah, and it's also like, I think, man, this is such a great movie. This is why I was really excited to talk about it as I was watching. This is such a great model of like persuasion because Tom Hanks, if he was like, you know, if you're trying to make a movie that appeals to people who are homophobes, mm-hmm. I think making Tom Hanks a fucking saint would immediately turn that audience off. And similarly, yeah. having Denzel Washington be bigoted makes it feel okay for you who might like as Denzel's mm-hmm. going to say everything that you're going to think about, about uh, you, you know, how he feels about homosexuality. If you're a, a, a closed minded kind of judgmental, ignorant straight guy. And I think that's super like even Tom Hanks in the beginning of the movie, when he's at the AIDS clinic and he's getting his AZT treatments or whatever it is, he's visibly uncomfortable with the specter of death. Like he's mm-hmm. still relatively healthy and high functioning he looks across and there's a guy who's covered in lesions Looks like he's a skeleton. His skin is gray. His veins are collapsing. And what's he do? He puts his headphones on and kind of like shields yeah. himself off of that. Not because I think he hates his fellow gay person, but that's scary shit. Mm-hmm. That's scary shit that like if something radically doesn't change in research and development and and something that like that is 100% going to be your future. And I, I thought the movie I did wasn't, a really good I wasn't Go picking ahead. that up in that moment because of the it scenes really. that we saw earlier. I was picking up that he like turns a blind eye to the suffering of a lot of people. Well, uh, that could be too. It, yeah, yeah. It, I think you're right though. Like after seeing the entire movie, I I do feel like yeah, he's definitely also worried about his own fate here, but like yeah. In the moment when I saw this because they had set those scenes up earlier where he's kind of a douche. I was a, I was thinking the opposite there. Interesting. Yeah. And that, that leads me to the other thing that I think this movie did really well, that even something that like, um, I really appreciate movies that will give me another nuance to something to think about is I've never really thought about what it's like to be a gay man of this era because having a visible disease must be terrible because like I was thinking like, you know, there was uh, this guy in the hospital and he's been barely able to do this or that. And someone's telling him, you know, or, Oh no, it's Tom Hanks that he thought he was going to throw up in front of his friends. And you know, his, his uh, boyfriend's like, you don't, you know, there's no shame in that. And Tom's like, I'm not ashamed, but also like, I just went through this with my granddad a couple of years ago when he was dying, like in the very last few weeks, like he was like shitting his pants and stuff and his grandkids were helping him clean up and he was fucking mortified. Mm-hmm. This 92 year old man who's been proud his whole life and you're shitting, you can't even stop yourself from shitting your pants. Like you can say to that person all you want, you shouldn't be ashamed, yeah. but there is something 
in the fact that like you're looking into all of our eyes and like this is a real bummer for all of us and it's sad and it's like it feels it's it's a real bummer and like there's this truth of like having to live through a very visible disease and having people like kind of like oh my god recoil from you because you're just an avatar of death mm-hmm. and then the fact that it's uniquely afflicting a, a reviled minority at the same time it's like especially cruel and i i guess i never really thought about it in that kind of way that like Everybody looking at you like there's so many shots that even Tom Hanks is not aware of of people like seeing his sores and kind of like, oh, God, mm-hmm. um, what it's like to live like that. How many compounding things uh, go into that? Uh, un- you know, just just like un- it's not even unpleasant. It's just dehumanizing. Yeah. Uh, Another really good example of this, I think, is the deuce. We we covered that a couple of years yes. ago. That that show is great. Um, it depicts uh, what nineteen eighties, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, late seventies, early eighties, uh-huh. yeah, around like the was it Times Square stuff before it got rehabilitated or whatever. Um, and yeah, there there's a couple of gay characters in that, and it goes through an arc with those characters that I really loved. Yeah, if you're if you're in for you, more of this kind of thing, you see this movie and you go, I, I could use a little bit more of that. Uh, it's definitely yeah. R-rated, though, so be prepared oh, for that. Yeah. Um, this is something we talked about during The Deuce, but do you remember, because this is kind of illustrating my point in kind of like the Denzel trap. Do you remember how, like, gay people were depicted in the literature of the religious organization we grew up in? Because I have I clear memories no. of, like, these... Uh, montages of fallen mankind that were in the books that we had where it would, there was always in one corner, there was a jet plane with missiles streaking over because, you know, we're fucking always fighting. There was a kid with a swollen belly dying of famine. Um, There was always one arm with a rubber hose tied around it and a needle going into Mm -hmm. it because you got to get the, and then there was always two uh emaciated unhealthy looking men with like makeup on their faces and drag clothes holding <laughs> hands or dancing in some kind of sad dingy disco club with a whole bunch of people dying around them and that was like the wages of sin motherfucker reap what you sow and what movies like the deuce or not i'm sorry shows like the deuce and the, this um helped me to appreciate because you know again i never grew up around that culture is like it's good actually um, you know, Tom Hanks and, and Antonio Banderas are not like your stereotypical gay guys. They're just guys who love each other very much. Uh, Tom Hanks family is not homophobic at all. They're like real sweethearts and they like go mm-hmm. to bat for him. Um, and yeah, and, like, really such a, touching a beautiful scene with his parents just like sitting Which, down and uh, is it yeah. for like a birthday or something? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like, I forget exactly what it is. If they're all affirming their support for him, mm-hmm. um, and 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 then the party that they throw, where like, yeah, and there's a whole bunch of gay people there, and they're singing about how much they love, uh, you know, boys, and uh-huh. it's kind of like cute and wholesome, and like, oh, I understand why this culture is actually cool and appealing and friendly and welcoming, and it's not the sad, dead, decaying thing that it, I was was sold to. But like, that's the thing. Is like, I guess what I'm getting at is. Um, and why I think Denzel is an interesting character is because I was taught that, like, all gay people were bad full stop. Like, mm-hmm. if you were a gay person, you were kind of a bad person that you self-select into, like, you know, uh, you, you've gone so far into depravity that now you're reduced to fucking another dude, you know. Um, in the same way that, like, I kind of judge people that skydived, like, you're, 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 you're falling from the grace of God instead of, like, preaching, you're taking extreme risk with your body and what if you die and blah, 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 all that um and what i've you know like obviously i don't i don't feel that way now uh-huh. but like these type of movies like dispel that because again tom hanks is just a guy right he's a nice guy um, he's a great guy he's one of the best guys you'll ever know yeah and i'm not saying fuck the guys grinding into disco parlors because that's the other thing this movie deals with is like a guy like tom hanks uh might have had a couple shame ridden uh, visits to the horseman's corral or whatever the fuck it is. I might have had mm-hmm. some anonymous sex when he was younger and fuck him because God and I never Who had us to has it, right? That's, that's, that's the thing. Like, when they start talking about like, oh, well, she got it through no fault of her own. So I feel sympathy for her. <laughs> I'm like, so it's a fault here to have sexual desire. That's, that's the fault because 
literally it's the same if, thing if, except yeah. just gender swap their partner that's it oh if straight people were afflicted by a right? disease uh for every time we did something sexually that we <laughs> oh probably shouldn't God. have we would be a sad There'd we would be, be eight a sad people bunch. living on this planet yeah yeah no it, it's 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 terrible how um but that's my thing like this movie kind of illuminates and like takes that head on it's like mm-hmm. and it's kind of like so and I thought that's the other good thing about showing that the um, the jury who had they uh, kind of throughout the movie they're yeah. the barometer of you can see because like that's man the opening statement Denzel Washington makes is so fucking good it might be one of the best the opening statements mm-hmm. actually both of them because Mary Steenberger then did the you know she played the the bigoted part but it's like I'm but a it, it plays fact it plays it plays people. so fact. well yeah. And you can see that kind of, but like Denzel, like he's like, he understands it. Like I am going to have to put homophobia on trial. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to, I can't shy away and object. I'm going to have to take all this head on. And he's like, acknowledges that you might think this is reasonable and prudent. Cause after all, this man through trickery and deception brought a deadly disease with a hundred percent fatality into this workplace. And he he like takes on like kind of defangs the argument and then it's kind of like repeatedly it kind of comes at to. But so what? You know, what is he supposed to do? Uh, you you know, you, you think it would be uh, unfairly biased a jury if he shows the lesions on his body. Well, if this was about a discrimination about a person in a wheelchair, you wouldn't ask him to park his wheelchair outside, would you? Mm-hmm. Like Denzel does such a fucking good job. And what's crazy is I thought the whole, as I was watching these court scenes, I'm like, man, there's going to be a lot of fun legal analysis of this on YouTube. There's a particular guy like Legal Eagle that does like these breakdowns of like movies. He did one of Rainmaker. No one has talked about the legal accuracy of this movie. I, I don't know whether it's like hmm. fucking terrible or whether people just dismiss this as the activist movie that kind of is aged poorly. I could not find one single video. There's like 17 <laughs> on my fucking cousin Vinny. <laughs> I can't find one legal analysis, right? Like, Legal Eagle's done six episodes on, it's always sunny in Philadelphia and bird law, and he hasn't done one on Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington in Philadelphia. I thought that was shocking. Yeah. But I I thought the legal stuff was really excellent in this movie. I did too. I thought it was good. Um, I I kept wondering, like, are they going to make the argument that I feel is the true smoking gun here, which is, they promoted him just before firing him, just before finding out that he had AIDS and firing him, um, which to right. me says everything that needs to be said. Um, and they don't make that case in the courtroom. You have to wait for the jury behind the scenes deliberation to get that. And and the guy yeah. who every time, like when Charles got up, the, the one of the lawyers in the high power firm here got up um, on the stand and was talking about you know his his time in the navy or no it wasn't charles it was one of the other partners was talking Mm -hmm. about his time in the navy or whatever on on boats or subs or whatnot right now they'd go months at a time and denzel was like oh you don't think there were guys on there doing stuff together and 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 he started like you know saying a bunch of bigoted shit and then you'd look over to the juror um (laughs) if you're a seinfeld fan it's k uger that guy uh (laughs) And, and he looks and he kind of laughs and chuckles along with the guy. And I'm thinking, oh, no, mm-hmm. this is going to mm-hmm. be the guy. Right. And maybe this is a little bit of my bias looking at this dude. But he looks like a military man. He looks like a guy who might be a kind of a hard ass. I'm a man kind of guy. And he gets back in the, the courtroom or in the deliberation chambers. And he's the one laying out the case for Tom Hanks. And I was surprised by that. Because he was all those things. He's a military guy. He's like, man, That's if I was thing. back in Vietnam yep. and I was organizing my carrier group, I wouldn't put my weakest dude in the most critical slot. And these guys put, you yeah. know, this million dollar case in his hands days before. He's like, ah, that dog don't hunt. You know, like. He, and I bet he spent time with guys in, in the military or something that he knew were gay and he fought alongside him. He probably respects those guys. There's there's probably a maybe. lot more going on there. I, or maybe I'm reading too much into it because uh, the movie definitely Hard doesn't like lay this all out. But yeah, that's my my assumption. This guy. Uh, I mean, they're definitely making the village people Navy gay joke. Uh, and that's, that uh-huh. doesn't that, you know, that doesn't come from nowhere. No, but, I mean, Tom, yeah, I, Tom Hanks and, and Antonio Banderas dress up. Like seeing yeah, that in this I think movie, that's, right? I think that's yeah. I think that's a joke about the defense that he just put up, right? Totally, they're like officers and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I just thought that the legal scenes were just really good. And again, it's a textbook for uh, for persuasion because it helps. And I think this is one pe- thing that like people struggle with when they're trying to talk to, you know, I got help you for trying to talk to people on Twitter or Reddit. But like you're trying to talk to your friends and family, like yeah. they come at it from like the self-righteous angle of like, I can't believe you're homophobic rather than um, understanding why they might be that way. And I thought that like the, the conversation with like Denzel Washington and his wife was really good in an in, in illustration of that because she clearly is a little bit ahead of the curve mm-hmm. as far as understanding gay people, because she knows that there's a couple in her family that always helps um, yeah. there. You know, that, uh, uh, cause that's, it's like, you know, I have a, 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 a cousin that uh, I, I saw a couple times a year that's, that, that I learned was gay. And that's like, kind of like my first kind of like, well, what the fuck? Todd seemed like a, all right guy. Right. Um, and she's, you know, coworkers and all that, probably people that he knows too, but because he's not putting out the, like, it's safe to be gay vibes, which they also explore in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's, he's completely shut off to, but his wife isn't like every single time he, cause Every single time that he says something homophobic or bigoted or makes a joke, she doesn't like say, you're a fucking shitlord, Denzel. You need to f- yeah. check your goddamn privilege and educate yourself. But she does check him when he goes too far. Mm-hmm. Like when he gets down with his new daughter and be like, you stay away from Aunt Becky. She's like, hey, don't fucking say that. Um, and I think that's something that's useful, too, if you want to, like, try to deconvert conservative people in your life is, like, try to keep in mind of, like, what is baseline homophobia or transphobia or racism in your area and, like, be willing to kind of, like, give people that room, but then check them hard when they step over that line and they actually start talking about exclusion or mm-hmm. hatred or physical assault, things like, I don't know. I just the things that I've tried to use in the bumfuck woods of, of Indiana to some success. And I think it's a good, it's a good way to go because again, Denzel is operating from the fact that he's a good guy. He's an all American guy. He does this and that. And he's going to have to confront several times in the movie where he's just wrong. He's just been an asshole and mm-hmm. that's never fun. Uh, and, and there's and two they, ways you can go. You can double they, down and be like, I'm actually not the asshole. It's the other people. Or you can learn and grow. Right. Right. And getting in someone's face and shouting never changes anybody's mind. Right. Makes um, it more likely they're going to yeah. be you're the asshole. Actually. Just, yeah. Yeah. It brings the blood to a boil and then nobody sees anything. Um, and then they do a good job of putting Denzel into the position of a uh, gay man of the era because there is a scene where like a college student comes up to him and in like a pharmacy or something and says, you know, Hey, I, you're great. You're awesome. Uh, you're doing good work. I'd love to come work for you when I'm out of law school, whatever. And then he assumes that Joe is gay and Joe's like, because why else Joe is be- offended by that. And he pushes back hard, but like yes. in that moment, he's experiencing what Andy has experienced his entire life. Right. And he sees that like, Oh, this, this is the existence he's had. And, I think that, you know, sympathizes him more um, in Joe's mind. And yeah, it's and then a, there, there's another scene in the bar where that happens again. I was about to say it shows uh, to me again, it's, it's, it happens at warp speed because this all right. happens in like less than a year. But it shows that kind of like as you're trying to be less bigoted, that kind of rise and fall of like, OK, intellectually, I know that Andy's a full on human being. And he's a hell of a guy and he doesn't deserve to be treated like this. But, oh, my God, my peer group is now saying that I am a Furby because I'm representing a gay person. And is that that your term for not saying the other F words? Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, And he's and and he's doing this and it's like and now like, oh, my God, uh, that's one level that he experiences. And then he kind of overcomes that. And continues on the movie. But you're right when that med student or not not legal student hits on him. Yeah. Now it's like a fucking personal affront to him. And he has to go through that. And but he that that insight gives him gives him the hilarious tactic of ask every single person on the stage or the stand whether they're gay or not. Yeah. Because to, he knows to raise their hackles. Right. To, it's going to raise yeah. their hackles and it's going to make them show it's going to make them show how defensive and fragile and reactionary they are because he had uh-huh. that experience. And also yep. because he sees rightfully that this isn't just about it. You have to put homophobia on trial and you have to get people to admit that, you know, like like Denzel Washington's like, I don't really I don't care. I don't have anything against the gays. But then 30 seconds in a conversation, he actually has a lot against oh, the yeah. gays. Yeah. And I think a lot of like these decent people, 
that and they are they're decent people they love their kids they pay their taxes they work hard they see themselves as upstanding americans they hide that behind that fig leaf of like well i don't i don't have anything personally against gays that's what they tell themselves but you get two or three minutes into conversation they have all kinds of problems and Mm -hmm. i think that's the other thing is we're finding out like i was watching the supreme court uh um uh, what do they call it a verification whatever uh, assent process of the Senate and some of the questioning that this this poor black lady, this, the, the presumptive justice or applicant, I don't know what the fuck, nominated justice is putting up with um, reveals that yeah. a lot of people in the 90s, and maybe this is why maybe this is why uh, Ben Simmons Bill Simmons is like thinks this movie hasn't aged well there's a lot of people that like understand gay rights is just kind of like well I understand I can't joke about this anymore and it's unacceptable to say that I'm squicked out by homosexuality. So I'm just going to say that I don't got any problems with them, even though they do. It's like it's all under mm-hmm. the surface because it's not polite to say it. And I feel like it's a missed opportunity to not, if you feel that way, to like lean in and to explore that. Because that's how you stay on the Denzel path and you don't end up like the crate, the the senior law partners where they're, they're you're, you're going to accidentally give a code red speech in public, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, accidentally. I'll per- because that's the thing is like when you get so far out of like the prevailing public opinion, that's when because nobody that's the thing is people act like you can get canceled over nothing. No, no one ever cancels you out of ignorance. It's like whenever you get your ignorance checked, do you double down, triple down? You know, five, ten years make it a part of your identity to be against this thing. That's <laughs> right. where you get into fucking trouble. Uh, We've so, talked yeah. a lot about the Denzel character's arc, about Joe. Um, th- the best part of this movie, though, is definitely the Tom Hanks arc, the Andy arc. Uh, and I want to start talking about that if you're ready for it, because there sure. are a couple of scenes that just kind of blew me away. I was not expecting it in a movie like this. I thought this is going to be a legal thriller and we're going to be in and out having explored that. But there is, and they kind of start pretty early on, right? Like it's, it's kind of all the way at the beginning of the movie. Like you mentioned that scene where he's looking around at the other people in the clinic and going, Oh boy, this could be me or this will be me. It's not even could. Um, And it goes, you know, up to like an hour and a half into the movie or something, there's this opera scene. And this is the the scene you were talking about having seen highlights of. I've not seen anything from this movie ever. And mm-hmm. so I was expecting the legal thriller. And then I get to this opera scene where Denzel's trying to trying to get uh, Tom Hanks to go over what what they're going to say tomorrow in court. And Tom Hanks is distracted because he's thinking about his own death. Um, Mm -hmm. I think like a scene earlier or two scenes earlier or something This is right after the party. um, And the party was caused by not wanting to think about his death because Antonio Banderas was like, hey, maybe you should start prepping for the inevitable um, because because we're going to have to all deal with this. And Tom Hanks, you know, is distracted by these thoughts and eventually turns on this opera um, and and starts translating it to Denzel as he's listening to it and talking about how beautiful it is. And that scene, the scene itself is just beautiful. It's it's an incredible scene in a movie that I didn't think was capable of this. It's one of those things like we we talked about a little bit with this with um, uh, the Devil Wears Prada, but it's like one of those scenes that makes I don't like opera music. But it, I, I instantly got an appreciation for this particular piece of opera because yeah. of the character kind of explaining to it and also analogizing why it means so much to his life. Mm-hmm. And like at several, so many different, like, I, because it starts with, um, you know, this, this lady singing about that I only bring sorrow to the people that I love. And you can see that Tom Hanks feels that, you know, this, uh, the fact yeah. that, uh, he's going to die and it's going to be such a huge hole in these people's lives and how he's at that stage now where things look bleak and like, should you just stop? Should you just give up and start, you know, get ready to lay in the ground and him taking it all the way around to like, no, actually I am love and I am life and I am light. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm more beautiful and alive in this moment now than I've ever been because I'm so close to death. Like you're right. And they, 
it yeah. goes into like a ma- like a very subtle magical realism because uh-huh. there's the the lights that start playing up and you don't even realize it's happening until it cuts and then it cuts back to Denzel yeah and you can see the Just spell him watching yeah him watching and appreciating you know the inner workings of this man and and it changing his mind like the and and right after the scene happens like Denzel it stops pushing for them to talk about the case and and right. gets up to leave and then as he's walking out the door he kind of realizes like he he catches i think himself being afraid of like seeing andy as a person or or seeing the beauty in andy yeah and and almost goes back into that room to like i guess apologize or or just be with this person who he now appreciates mm-hmm. as a person um but then he goes home and appreciates his family instead and i think it it's just it's a beautiful moment for both characters especially the andy character but god damn i this movie was pitching heat i did not expect at this point dude i was like de- and the thing is is like i think that cuz they spend just as long with denzel just wordlessly uh-huh. with the with the opera going behind him like you know looking at his daughter embracing his wife in bed staring at the ceiling because he's like for maybe for the first time reflecting on how precious the things that he has are to him and how what it must be like to be Andy and his loved ones uh, being in a position to have the to lose all this at such a young age like yeah it's like it's the last there's like a bunch of different way stops that he makes on the way from like complete homophobia to uh empathy and understanding i don't think this Uh is the last one what do you think is the last way stop well i I just before before i get there i just want to say i I love scenes like this because it says so much without saying really anything um that's what yeah it's the art of it yeah yeah it's it's not the dialogue that's doing heavy lifting here it's an opera and and the translation of it and just seeing Denzel seeing Andy is like, it's mind blowing. Uh, the last waypoint on his arc. I, I mean, it's gotta be, well, is it the hospital bed? I feel like it's the hospital bed at the very end. I was going to say that too. Where Tom yeah, where Hanks like kind of just comes in and then leaves pretty quickly. I, I, I thought that the, 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 the Tom Hanks patting him to sit next to him on the bed, you know, yeah. like that's like he kind of hesitates, like, uh, you know, that old there's yeah. this little bit of like, you know, afraid of AIDS. And also this is very intimate being alone with this man. And then he kind of like steps through that door mm-hmm. and does what's right by his now friend, uh, uh, Andy. I thought that was really that was nice. And to me, that was the last step where he had like completed the journey from the man where Tom Hanks walks in his office and he's like. You know, like everything he touches, he's hyper fixating on like, oh, my God, I'm yeah. going to have to get Clorox wipes and go on. And to now he is having physical, intimate contact with this man as, as comforting him as he's dying of this disease. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just great. But go back to the opera scene. Tom Hanks makes that shit work. Oh, because yeah. he has to hold the camera for five minutes, explaining to an audience something that most of them aren't going to care about. And do it in this like very passionate way that if you did it just with a little bit less sincerity and de- and dedication would come across as fucking cringe. Yeah, totally. Uh, but I, it it works. I see why he won the Oscar, and I, I think it's you know partially because of like the makeup they did and stuff. The makeup was also nominated for an Oscar. I, I don't think it won, but like mm. that's some of it. But man, his performance in this movie is so good. Uh, and it seems like that opera scene that just make you sit back and go, okay, this guy can act, you know, imagine seeing, uh, the money pit, Tom Hanks, imagine seeing big <laughs> Tom party. Hanks in this yeah. movie in 1993. That's why I say like, had I seen this in 1993, I would have been blown away by Tom Hanks mm-hmm. as, as it stands, having seen those other movies, I'm like, yeah, I know he can do this and it's still damn impressive, but, uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite blow me away. There's a lot of other little aspects I thought they did a good job kind of ramping up the the tension and the drama of uh the the legal proceedings in a ways that felt kind of natural is like the fact that the judge he's not as bad as like the Chicago 8 judge. Oh god, yeah. But he is pretty, you know, when this guy gives completely contra- uh contradictory testimony Oh, that's not a change of mind. He's amplifying like bullshit. He's perjuring himself on the trial, but you kind of sympathetic to it. So, 
Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of times where like the judge, but then like kind of the judge got war- won over by the end. Um, and I also thought also that like on top of everything, this trial, you're dying of AIDS, you're trying to comfort your family, you're doing this thing where it's like kind of from hell's heart, you spit at thee because what's it going to do for you? On top of everything, all that stress, this is also a media circus. Like mm-hmm. every time you go to the trial, there's like picket fences and lines and you have to go past people screaming that you're, you know, this is God's condemnation on you. And like, damn, uh, it just just it did such a great job in this movie reinforcing like what a terrible time this was uh, uh, to to be. Uh, to, yeah, just just to be a gay man in America in particular. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Mary Steenburgen's character in this movie? Because she's the defense's lawyer and she's making some pretty heinous arguments from time to time. Um, and then yet there They're there effective. is one scene where she goes back. It's Tom Hanks is getting very sick during the trial and, and yeah. visibly like can can barely stay on the stand when he's called. Yeah. Um, and Mary Steenburgen goes up and cross-examines him and just really turns the screws on him. And she goes back to her bench or, or her desk and and says, I hate this case. Like, like yeah. she's visibly shaken by what she just did to this man. Yeah. Humanizes her a bit. Jeez. I, I, I'm trying to find a, a little bit of sympathy for her, but it's really hard. It's a great role. And yeah. it works because Mary Steenburgen is Bergen is everyone's mom, right? And she <laughs> sure. is bright and she's uh wholesome and she's got a great smile and she's empathetic and she's using all those tools for just the worst kind of people. Yeah. Um but it 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 works because she is great. Like you want to like her. Um Mm-hmm. And she's very likable and she's going to use all that. So, yeah, I, I thought that it's a great villain role. It's a hell of a lot. It's a hell of a lot more nuanced and dimensional than like John Voight in The Rainmaker, where he's just a high powered asshole insurance lawyer to don't give a fuck about <laughs> nothing. Where like I yeah. like that moment of her kind of like, Jesus Christ, what have I got myself into? Look up, look at my life. Look at my choices. Yeah. The other thing that's sad about this is when they get Tom Hanks on the stand and he talks about the open admiration he had for his boss and it like shames his boss because the boss loved Andy like that. that they've mm-hmm. had this scene in the movie where he just is so impressed with his legal mind and his tenacity and his love for his law clearly sees a lot in common with himself. Probably the reason he hates him so much. Yeah. And it's just so sad that this bigotry and prejudice gets in the way of otherwise fulfilling relationships people could have. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the other thought I had about is it's interesting that like they, they may, they do that thing in like words. It's it's a high powered partner boardroom or they're all sipping brandy and they're wearing tuxes and they're, they're, they're the Lords of the universe discussing, you know, the high minded legal things and how seductive that is. Like, doesn't that look great? It doesn't look like fun to just sit around and everything is just a fucking academic debate to you. Just a pure matter of the law, legal principle. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, that, that Andy wanted to be in that, like, this is the, everything that he wanted to be. And this guy is also just like rigid and dogmatic and inflexible in this one area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I thought that was a great moment too. Cause I felt like his boss really, there's, that that really stung him. The fact that this guy admired him so much, and the fact that uh, the reason one of the reasons Andy was closeted so hard is because in the get to know you phase, this guy was just making homophobic joke after homophobic joke, which is another unappreciated of like why, you know, why is it wrong to make jokes like this in private or amongst company? Like, because you might be sending signals to vulnerable people that you're not a safe person to be around. And yeah. then you're going to be one of those guys like, I don't know any gay people. I don't know any people. I've never met a person that's like that. Or even worse, the one person I have met agreed to the 100% that I thought. And they, it's like, well, that's because anyone that doesn't agree with you, they're, they're going to keep it hidden because they're afraid you're going to hurt them, man. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a great point that the movie makes um, along the way as well. Yeah. They do make it easy to hate this guy, this Charles guy. Why are the the worst lawyers always named Charles? I'm watching Better Call Saul again, and boy, Chuck's a real Chuck. douchebag. 
Yeah. And the, the, the other thing is about this, uh, the old lawyer guy, is he was... It's a perfect epitome of those guys who it's like they're keeping all this stuff under wraps. But when it's kind of like it's like uh, Jack Nicholson, they're mm-hmm. so convinced that the public's on their side that when the the mass drops, they're shocked. Like they're the, the guy when they cut to this guy, he got a five million dollar verdict against him. And they're like, he's like flabbergasted. He's like, how could they? Don't they? He's shocked that this jury of his peers could do this to him people that he thought he looked at a, a couple of those guys and he's like i i know they're in my pocket and they and you know what they might agree they might hate gay people just as much as he does but also they're taking serious this matter of law which st- says right. that the uh, the so i i don't know i thought that was great too the shows that um you can get so calcified in this that it's that that it's a shock when your fall inevitably comes and i don't know this guy mm-hmm. probably this law partner probably ranted and raved about the gay agenda destroying America till the day they put him in the grave. <laughs> sure. He had to pay $5 million for his anus opinion. Mm-hmm. All right. That does it for this week's prestige movie, Philadelphia. Next week, we'll be talking about the uh, film Gladiator with Russell Crowe. And then as soon as Gladiator drops, a new poll will open that will allow our Patreon producers, executive producers and above. Mm-hmm. Uh, to vote for the next prestige movie and your choices are going to be uh, prestige films from 1985 kiss of the spider woman pritzy's honor jim's telling me is how you pronounce it like a real sicilian pritzy yeah sure pritzy and then uh, brazil which is uh, none of these movies i've seen they're all very highly regarded Mm -hmm. and i'm curious to see what the the community picks out there so go to patreon.com and vote if you're an executive producer. If you'd like to be one, you can jump in on that. Uh, but next week will be Gladiator. Until the next prestige movie, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you, everybody. <laughs>